0: This Burroughs of Berea Testimonies episode is brought to you by the Jim Beaver Band. Check out their latest album on Facegram. Now onto the show. The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational
1: podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith. And one of us doesn't actually have a faith.
0: And that's wonderful. We all love one another. And we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for
1: listening and speculating with us.
0: There you go. That was good. Yes.
1: <laughs> you are listening to The Burrows of Berea. Well, welcome back to The Burrows of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and behind the glass is Rocket Man Andy Bishop. Oh yeah, and today we got a special guest and we have been talking about this for a couple of months Tiziana Savers, welcome
2: Hi, thanks for having me So
1: glad that you're here now Andy knows you. He's the one that actually told me about you. And I've yeah. I've met you in the past. You actually came whenever we did Witch and we used the music from Albatross yeah. Party. Oh yeah. And then you guys actually came and did a song mm-hmm. at the Po House. Yeah, That's that was right.
0: fun. We did that little two we did it with a two and I feel like it I feel like yep. it played well. It, it was did awesome. really well. Yeah. 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 That yeah. was
1: so much fun.
2: you had a picture of us on Instagram.
1: Oh really? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. so cool. Mm-hmm. And, and like you know the that. CD did better than the film. <laughs> did it? Yes. The CD did much better than the film. We got rid of more CDs than we did the actual film, which was good. It was all local stuff, and it did really well.
2: That's wild. Well, you know that happens every once in again. Yeah. I mean, like the soundtrack to Dirty Dancing, there's all these different particular films that the soundtrack was so key and so integral to the film itself that the soundtrack is almost like its own living thing.
0: Oh, yeah. It's great. That's
2: really cool. I
1: would much rather listen to the soundtrack than look at Patrick Swayze. But that's me. I'm not
2: gonna follow you there, (laughs) right?
1: And I never really cared for Jennifer Gray. Yeah. So, uh, Tiziano, tell me a little bit about yourself. So, there's a reason why you're on the show, and I I really want to I want to pick your brain today. So, so tell me about yourself.
2: Tell me about myself. Tell you about myself. Um, I was born and raised in Washington State, in the Olympic Peninsula, Port Angeles, Washington. I found Jesus Christ when I was six years old, down the street from my house at a vacation Bible school that was run by a retired nun. Mm -hmm. Um, I was propelled instantly into a lifelong loving relationship with Jesus Christ that caused me to sort of like voluntarily chain myself to Christianity Mm -hmm. in a way that can probably only be described as Stockholm syndrome. Mm
0: -hmm. I I did and said (laughs)
2: everything I was told to do and say so that I could maintain that love and retain that love. Mm -hmm. Um, My life with Christ became entirely performative. And by the time I was 18, I was going to a private Christian high school. I was leading a um, Bible study for the young kids that lived in my low-income apartment complex. I was waking up early for a prayer. I was fasting and I had an ulcer. Wow. So I eventually... Uh, moved to North Carolina um, with some friends of mine that were more like mentors. They, the female, it was a married couple. The female had been one of my instructors at my private Christian high school. I moved to Maui when I was 16 from the Olympic Peninsula, went to a private school. And uh, her and her husband moved to Hendersonville to like start a grassroots style, you know, home church that was like less rooted in performance and more rooted in authenticity. And that, you know, for me sounded really freeing and beautiful. So I came here to be with them and it just turned into like a weird cult. They were very controlling. Um, he was, um, sexually inappropriate but in a way that was difficult to pin down and define which is common of predators you make it out and common be, of cults and common of christianity it's all her fault sure that's what you get for wearing that that's what you get for acting that way mm-hmm. you know if you look at the old testament there's a lot of levitical laws that punish women for being raped and so it's created a culture wherein men are not responsible for what they can't help and so, um, as is typical, I blamed myself and kept trying to like be repentant enough and fast and pray enough and be good enough until eventually he actually sexually assaulted me. And, and that's when I go. chucked Christianity, <laughs> shaved my head, and met Andy. Ah, oh,
0: yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep. I can't remember. How did we meet? Not to completely derail what's coming next. But.
2: Because I started dating Brent.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you did meet Brent first. I don't know if we'd like met at the same time or.
2: No. Okay. So I met Andy's roommate. I was 23 and bald and freshly uh, chucked my Christianity. And this is very interesting because I currently am a student of uh, divinity. I'm a master's divinity student at I live school of theology in Colorado. Hmm. I'm not exactly sure what I want to do with that degree, whether or not I want to work in social justice, whether or not I want to work in chaplaincy, which would be like in the army or the, or hospital or hospice, or whether or not I want to go into pastoralship. Um, uh, Being a pastor sounds uh, crappy. It sounds like a really thankless job, and you have to work every Sunday, and that sounds like a nightmare. But like most people <laughs> that are called to do something, you do it because you're called, not necessarily because you want to, and eventually your heart changes. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I'm not exactly certain what the goal is, but I know that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And I recently am taking a class on the pastoral counseling care and care of PTSD. And I had to pick a really difficult experience and I had Hmm. to journal about it. Hmm. And we had to talk about how our spiritual practices helped us get through that. And there's a lot Ah. of technical stuff too that went into it.
1: And I don't know if you're going back to when you met Andy, but I'm incredibly interested about that period in between all the things you're studying now Mm -hmm. and when you met Andy.
2: Yeah, well, that was what my journal assignment was about. Ah, okay. So I decided to journal about that experience since that's what really sort of— it was the the watershed moment in my Christianity. I had never dared flip the bird at God and say, you're actually a jerk. Mm-hmm. I actually don't like you anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I did. Oh, so you did it. And I expected to be, you know, I expected to catch fire right on the spot.
1: Well, yeah,
2: something we're
0: going to talk about and later. And I didn't.
2: <laughs> but at the same time, right? Because my Christianity had cultivated a fear of the other.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: If you weren't a Christian- You were a threat because you were going to drag me to hell, which is a great tie-in for our topic today.
1: That's right. Yes.
2: But at that point, Christianity had become unsafe, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and I had no one. I had no community. I crawled into a bottle of vodka and locked the door of my apartment. I was afraid to leave the house because both the people that I had been told were my safe space and the people that I had been told were the scary place, neither of them were accessible to me. Right. So that's when I met Brent and that's when I met Andy. And I met people who are genuinely caring and who are genuinely kind
1: Isn't he a sweetheart? Yeah. I love him to death. Yeah. Good guy. It
2: felt a lot like that, uh, it felt a lot like that good Samaritan moment. Mm -hmm. Because when you look at that story, right? Yes. What's significant about Jesus saying the Samaritans the was the good the good Samaritan was the the proper neighbor is the the racial tension. That the relationship between between Samaritans yeah. and Jews at the time. Mm-hmm. So here I was, this bloody, bruised, beaten Christian lying in a ditch, and Christians were walking right past me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it was the good Samaritans. It was Andy and Brent. right that put me on their donkey, yeah and took me to the inn and paid for my healing. Wow, I love it. Yeah, yeah. So that's one thing that's really important. And I've never really said that to you.
0: I don't think. I, I, not, no, not in so many words. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm the clemped, literally. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: the clemped.
0: Yeah. yeah. it's sweet.
2: And it's always been like that. It's always been like that with Andy. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah. We also like to argue, so.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, we do. That comes
1: because you have love for one another, but by the way. that's
2: exactly right. And like, <laughs> and like, I remember like there, there, were, I was so destroyed at that point. Right. From like, and actually that it was like. You know, sexual assault on top of losing Christianity. I remember, like, I would wake up in the middle of the night, like having night sweats and panic attacks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Brent would just like take me to the Waffle House and like talk me off the ledge. I remember one time, oh, Brent. Yeah, and I, he's
0: great for that. Brent, yeah.
2: I, 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 I don't know that I will ever really be able to fully get through to him, like how important he is and has been, because uh, you know, divorce is a, is a. Is a It's hard. It's crappy. Absolutely. It's crappy. And what you often get left with is the bad taste in your mouth of the end. Mm -hmm. And that's understandable. But, but yeah. And, And Andy, too. You know? I mean, I had... The thing about Christianity that's such a mess when it comes to sexuality and purity culture, which I'm vehemently opposed to and I don't think has any root in biblical truth, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can talk about that too.
1: <laughs> well, the
2: problem with purity culture is when you create a taboo, you naturally create an underground. Yes, It happens every time. It's what prohibition was all about. That's right. And so when you take a culture and you say this thing you cannot do, right? You can't do it all you do is make it the thing that they think about all of the time. Mm -hmm. And so even within the context of Christianity, and and also you're expected to have all this intimacy as teenagers, all this emotional and spiritual intimacy, but you're also told that this third thing is 100% completely off limits, just like the knowledge of good and evil. What did you think was going to happen? Right. The minute you tell somebody you can have anything but this one thing, that's the one thing they want. That's why I can't go on a diet, Rick. That's right, because you want
1: that donut. (laughs) The minute you tell me
2: I cannot eat ice cream, I cannot think about it until I eat it. Yeah. So I spent my entire childhood with, quote-unquote, friendships with dudes that were, like, bubbling over with this, like, weirdly inauthentic sexual tension, Mm -hmm. you know, that made actual relationship almost impossible, you know? Sure. And I, I, Andy was the first person that I had a real friend, the first man that I had a real friendship with. Yeah, Andy would never have harmed me. Andy would never have pushed my boundaries. Andy treated me. That's why we fought.
0: This is why I paid her good for this. No, but Andy, I, Andy, I really appreciate that.
2: Yeah, Andy, I remember. I remember <laughs> we got, we got, in knock, we've gotten, in, we got knocked down, drag outs about it too. You know, like about all we had we had lots was, of fights. I,
0: I always felt like you were the one person I could argue with that I didn't have to worry about. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because I feel the same way. So then we were in this band for a long time and we wrote all this music together and we toured and, you know, with me, like, you know, changing my clothes in the back of the truck. And, you know, we just, and so, like, that's one of the things I think that's, you know, I, I'm really grateful that you have Andy on this show
0: mm-hmm.
2: because this us or them sort of dichotomy that, the hell conversation yeah, has created. That's right. Is number one, not allowing men like Andy to know how awesome they are mm-hmm. and how great they are, right? Yeah, and
1: that their voice matters. And that their and voice And the things matters. that they feel are honest and real and true and yeah. their experiences in life matter. And mm-hmm. yes, they, they should be a part of the conversation.
2: Absolutely. And then it creates an insular Christianity whose relationships with non-Christians are inauthentic because your only goal is to save them. Mm-hmm. So anyway- Right. All you did was ask me to tell you about myself.
0: Yeah.
1: Well,
2: that's what <laughs> I want.
0: Y'all got a lot more. <laughs> well, is a good, there's a lot, there's a, I mean, like most people, there's a lot of story there, yeah. but some people are good at telling it.
1: It know? is. Yeah. So if you don't mind me asking, mm-hmm. you, well, first of all, this sounds like a testimony, which was awesome. So I do have a testimony series going on. And so oh. maybe we can continue talking for a few more minutes and that could be an episode all to itself. And then we could go into a study later. So be like oh. a mini. Yeah. Like a mini okay. testimony. Just uh, if that's okay with you. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. So, what is your relationship to Christianity today? Because where we were, where we are now, yeah. is that we know you're studying. We also know that you kicked Christianity to the curb. Sure. You thumbed your nose at God. You had your feelings, and then you met these great people. Yeah. And so, so where are you at now? Well, I just
2: burped into the mic.
1: That's great. I'm Leave pregnant.
2: It. Yeah. I can't help it. I've like all Oh yeah. Like yeah. She stuff. just announced
1: she was pregnant in here yeah. this morning. So congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. That's thanks. so awesome. You're Getting like pregnant burps.
2: Anyway. Um,
1: <laughs> I, usually I'm the one burping because I've ate like onion. Rings or something before I get
0: here. <laughs> it's it's tradi- tradition for him. I'm glad On to the take the pressure off. <laughs>
1: Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. You're
2: welcome. I, I'm here. for you, That was a you,
1: pun, Rick. actually. The pressure is off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Dun-dun-dun-dun>.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um. So my relationship with Christianity now. I am a you know I'm a card carrying member of New Mount Olive Missionary Baptist Church. I started sort of gently putting my toes in the water of church. Why? Um. Well, Brett and I got divorced.
1: Okay, and so, I was in
2: free fall again.
1: Right. So when you're in the so with with your relationship with Brent, you left, and Brent was a solid rock for you. And you yeah. as you were coming through, and so then when that fell apart, then you felt the necessity to go back to to not necessarily a church per se, but back to God or to Christ. What what used yeah. to be a rock for you, right? So had you gotten some perspective while you were with Brent on your way to back to the church?
2: Yeah, I had. So I, I left Christianity and I started looking for God. Uh, And authentically, I started looking for goddess because uh, the male deity no longer felt safe. So I started exploring spirituality and like kept up with my with my s- spiritual growth i just did it with yoga and i did it with you know the bhagavad gita and i did it with you know
1: what is that the i've Bakhfad heard of yeah, what is that
2: the bhagavad gita is a it's 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 hindu literature it's oh, okay. hindu scripture yeah, yeah I'm rid of and that, the story sorry. of rama and uh, you know so so i started like i started looking for um i started looking for nuggets i wanted to string together a necklace i could wear and i needed lots of pearls mm-hmm. and So I started looking. Right. And so when I was around 27, the the thing about trauma is um, oftentimes the safer you feel uh, and the more kind of connected and in your body you feel, the more your trauma is like, okay, cool, now we're safe. Can we talk about this? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what started happening too, is that like, um, you know, because the trauma of why I left Christianity was just one in a long string of sexual assaults, really. And so and and childhood abuses and all kinds of stuff. So I got to this place where I was like, all right, I've got to do something. I can't do this anymore. So I started seeing a therapist. And Secular or Christian? She is well
1: There's no wrong answer. I'm just curious. And spiritual.
2: Well, the dichotomy is what I want to challenge. Okay. She loves Jesus.
1: Yes. Jesus is
2: her number one primary guide. Yes. She was rejected from Christianity when she came out of the closet. Okay. So technically, she's a Christian. Yes. Okay. But by Christianity standards, she's not allowed.
1: Okay. So she is a a therapist who is a Christian in a secular world.
2: Got it. And she has lots of different, like me. She has respect for other like ways of navigating, right? Yes. So, um, so in any case, um, so she was like, we started doing all this work, and she would would pray and ask Jesus to come into the room before we started our work and things. And I started just really remembering how close we had been. It was that childhood love of Jesus, that childhood connection, that remembering, you know, of all the different times that I I felt down and would cry out and genuinely felt the heart of, of God with Jesus Christ specifically, Mm -hmm. you know, that entity, that ascended being quote unquote, whatever, um, I can't get away from him. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get away from him. And I started feeling a lot of comfort. And so I started sort of dipping my toes back into church in a way to try and reconnect with that. And I went to a couple of different churches. The first church I went to was Kaylee's church. Oh, yeah. Kaylee Sellers. Yes. And Dania, Mm -hmm. because their pastor was a woman and i started cutting her hair and i just felt super safe with her and so i felt safe going to a methodist church that had a female that had female leadership
1: yeah and just so everyone knows the relationship here kaylee sellers was the editor of our film witch oh and yeah and she's okay. the redhead that gets hacked up by the witch in the film in case you want to watch it but yeah she um uh, she's awesome i love kaylee to death uh-huh. she's so great
2: yeah so so that's like it's such an interesting little like yeah, circular how that relationship. Out. Right. Yeah. So anyway, so I started going to Kaylee and Danny's church and then and then all from there just started kind of like looking. I st- I went to a little Presbyterian church for a little while after after that. Um that I really liked that was closer to my house, was right in my neighborhood. And then um, that church was disbanded because it was like a startup church. And with the Presbyterian church, if you can't like raise up elders that can kind of take over, then they're like, well, maybe this isn't really a church plant. So it was really sad. And that pastor moved to Durham and started over. And so now I was kind of like free floating. And I was in a singing group at the time. With my friend Datrian Johnson. And Datrian invited me to his church, which is the historically black New Mount Olive. Uh, it was established in 1913 by a bunch of sharecropping African Americans that scraped together enough money to buy property, which in itself is incredible.
1: Yes. And, it sure is. We've talked about that here. Yeah. the sharecropping yeah, and property and yeah.
2: Yeah. So I came to visit, just to visit, and just, and and the Holy Spirit was like, this is your church home. And I hadn't heard God say that to me pretty much ever. I'd always just gone wherever. And I remember I sat in the parking lot of Ingalls right afterwards and I Marco polo my sister and I was like, you're not gonna believe what God just said to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> great.
2: And I remember I called my friend Ashlyn who goes to that church and I was like, is it even okay like if a white person, And she laughed in my face. She goes, She let me say my whole piece like about like oppression and like representation and like, is my presence going to be triggering? And, you know, I know black church is safe space and I do know that because I've studied it, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, yeah that's
0: stupid. <laughs> that's it. literally what
2: she said. She's like, black people like diversity too. <laughs> and black Who people knew? have diverse families as well. You know what I mean? And so, which isn't to say that my presence isn't somewhat triggering occasionally I imagine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also a whole other conversation. So right. anyway, so I joined you at Olive and I love my pastor and it's, I got baptized there. Um, not out of a need to be baptized. I've been baptized like you know, seven times, but as a, a symbolic of my willingness to, um, to accept male authority and leadership.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sure.
2: And I told him that, and he was so awesome. He was like, well, don't forget, I am just a man, you know? And that's one of the reasons why I like that church and why I go there. He's yes. very clear that, like, I have this, like, spiritual identity, but I'm also just a vessel. Mm-hmm. And I really like that.
1: That is remarkable, actually, that that's very... I guess I'll say adult-like of Mm -hmm. you and and him also, but that's a tough one to overcome. Yeah. That is tough, especially whenever you've been abused by the male identity in Mm -hmm. a spiritual way, Mm -hmm. then to be able to accept that. So that, I mean, to me, that rings Holy Spirit, but it also rings that you've matured and that you've grown and all these other things too, but... Mm I understand from a spiritual perspective how difficult that must have been. Mm. It had to have been.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 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 so even now though like my relationship with Christianity is is pretty tenuous.
1: Yeah. So is mine. Yeah. Mine is too yeah. cuz we we're not intentionally pushing the envelope. We're actually just reading the Bible for what it says and then studying you know just studying it. Yeah. This is
2: what I keep saying. And so yeah, exactly. And so I I I find that There are two things that live in my spirit, Mm -hmm. my relationship with Jesus Christ and how that connects me to God and my activity within the Christian church. Mm -hmm. So one is a way of being in the inside. One is a way of acting on the outside. Sure. But they're literally two separate things to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll give you like this, this weird sort of like the polar opposite, the way that my brain works in regard to my relationship to Christianity, or what I like to call churchianity, because... Mm-hmm. And that comes directly from uh, David Curtis at a Berean Bible Church in Virginia. By the way, they're awesome. You guys should go check out their website. Mm. It's, they have so many resources. They're incredible. Mm-hmm. So, thank you, uh, uh Pastor Curtis and all that. I don't even know these guys, but they just have tremendous resources. Yeah. But anyway... Um, Burp number w- two. <laughs> all right. Letting off some pressure. Sorry. Whenever we had um, AJ and the studio last week, we were talking about, which were releases this coming Thursday, which by the time you guys hear this, I don't know when it'll be. However, um, we talked about the fact that Russia had invaded Ukraine. And I said, I told everybody, I said, I want you to watch because what's going to happen is you're going to see all these people cropping up. And they're going to start talking about where does Russia fit in the Bible? How is this to the end time? When is everything going to be destroyed and forever? You know, like here yeah. it comes. And of course it does. You're like and I know it's coming. Like I, I'm I was raised this way. I know how it's coming, right? Yeah. But my relationship to that, like I see it for what it is now. But I have a lot of people that I love in my life that are in the midst of all that. Yeah. And when I say I don't agree with what you're talking about, I have a different belief system based on what I say in the scripture, and I'll show you. But then there's this they're on their side, and you know how churchianity is mm-hmm. on their side. And I yeah. I shouldn't say that in a negative light. They still love me. Yeah. But they just they can't reach me because I'm not following that pre-programmed setup right. that they've got, which is what churches do by tradition. Yeah. they you know you have these traditions set up, and that you hear this language enough, it becomes a part of who you are.
2: But this is also what's so fascinating because when it comes to what what we had talked about talking about today, right? Yeah, like, we'll get to right, it. Maybe we'll see. Right, but part of that is fear. Yes, because if you like I want to ask this cuz I've been thinking about this, Andy. You're not a Christian. Yes. Not a Christian. <clears throat> no. No. But you're an American. Yes. Which means you were raised in a theoretically Christian country, mm-hmm. which means you probably absorbed some at least some aspects
0: of it. Yeah, I went to like Bible camps and stuff when I was young. We've talked about that.
2: Oh, I haven't heard. So How so, my
0: ADD just We go basically. through a lot of Andy
1: actually on the show.
2: Oh, what, see, I've, I? I have yeah. I've only recently like found it, so I've only, I've listened to like six or seven and then yeah. school started back up. But like in your if you could give the cliffs notes what is what do you, what is the point of
0: christianity oh is there i think the point of christianity is just to give people a way to float through a very difficult life and uh, bring them some solace. I think that's the reason religion exists, largely. Yeah. I mean, some t- some of it's control. That's arguable. But I don't think that's the basis of it. I think that's the way it's used.
2: See, and uh, I—so that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, mm-hmm. Andy's not even a Christian, and he gets the point, which is not how are you going to die? It's how are you going to live?
1: Yes. Absolutely. Cherry even said the same thing. She wasn't worried about death. She wasn't worried about hell. She was just wondering, how am I going to live my life? And are you real? That's what she, that was the question she asked about when she got introduced to God. Yeah, it's so real.
2: How did that shift?
1: Well, I think it had a lot to do with the male dominance. And I think that um, it perpetuated itself. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes, you know, once someone creates this vein of tradition and then they continue it perpetually because it brings comfort, and then eventually... You know, uh, as you keep adding more and more to it, it gets so big you can't even see how it started. Yeah, and then you just live in it, and then it becomes a part of your life. That's just it.
2: There is the incredible political turnaround from the the Israelite nation being basically in the way of Egypt and Babylonia first under the Assyrians, then under the Babylonians. Mm-hmm poor little Israel was basically just this tiny little kingdom in the way of these two big superpowers that were constantly trying to control the Levant. Mm-hmm. And, That's right. and so you've got this like constantly persecuted, politically irrelevant country whose God is, is always in competition with the gods of these other nations. You go from that to like Constantine adopting Christianity yeah. as the religion of the world. That's right. And had to like go drag Christians that had been like beaten and bruised and bloody and in jail. Like they were shaken, walking into the court being like, is this a joke?
1: Right. What's Are you gonna, gonna burn me right here? here in front of everybody? Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like, like that 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 period of time and the political consequences mm-hmm. with that have reverberated in Christianity from that moment. Yes. Because everything about Politics is control. That's right. Everything about a nation and its rules and its laws and its national identity is about herding the sheep, controlling the people, and making sure that if anybody comes in to try and harm us, we've got enough cohesion that we will collectively fight whether it's in our best interest or not.
1: And if you don't believe that, try becoming president in the United States of America without having a Christian background of some form. You're never going to make it. That's you it. have to have that background. Yeah.
0: It, it seems like it. I wonder, you figure at some point that will change. But I mean, that's absolutely true right now. Yeah. And, and has been for the course. yeah sure. And
2: that's why it's such a big deal when you have like, you know, senators and house of representatives that, you know, representatives that yes. are, you know, Muslim or atheist, you know, that's why it's like such a big deal. It's so highlighted. And
1: yeah. 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 I remember, I think it was. Tiger Woods said that he got tired of being called the first black man to do golf. You know, like, he, he you know, af- after so much time, the people that are being identified get tired of being identified as the first of everything. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, the reason why is because our society hasn't allowed it ever. And so now that it's actually happening, we want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then they become labeled as that forever. Yeah. He was the first, you know, I, I, I always used to laugh because whenever Tiger Woods was at the height of his game, Eminem was at the height of the rap game. And it was such an interesting dichotomy. Like, yeah. Wait a minute. The best golfer is Black and the best rapper is white. <laughs> you know, it was so Now, that of course was me saying it, you know, the mm-hmm. best rapper who do I know? It's
0: it's it's, it's arguable I don't know any other among, rappers. among all among all rap circles.
1: That Eminem's pretty is he up there?
0: It's one of the best. It's it's I mean, obviously there's people that will disagree, but it's a conversation that's had constantly. Yeah. And 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 that statement Eminem is one of the best, comes from all corners, every, comes from every corner. I mm. wanted to, I all wanted right. to learn. I'm I know
1: that. Well, That's
2: I just, area of But
1: I wanted to say on the side, on a side note here, I wanted to learn more about it. And so I watched this uh, documentary called Hip Hop Evolution on Netflix, mm. and it takes it from the very beginning, you know, of hip hop all the way up to the current. And, you know, of course they talk about Emin and all, Eminem and all them, but like, I uh, I, I didn't realize how awesome like Jay Z actually was because I didn't know much about it or like Kanye. I like I like Kanye West mm-hmm. or Yay now. I, I like I do. You know I do I like it, but I, I don't much, I don't know really much about it. But I always enjoyed Eminem. You know we mm-hmm. got off topic, but I guess the point was is that you know in in politics you're not going to be uh, you're not going to be remembered necessarily by your religious beliefs. You're going to be yeah. remembered for the things that you do. Yeah. But there are certain people that are remembered as the first. Whatever. Like, look at Sandra Day O'Connor. Oh yeah. What? What is she known as? The She's first the first woman...
2: female um, Supreme Court exactly. justice. So, yeah. let,
1: you know, how many different cases did she sit in on? How many of them were dissent? How many? How many did she write in favor of? Like, we don't know, but we do know that Sandra Day O'Connor was. was she? What
2: was that? Was she was the first?
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah, put in by Reagan. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what... Who was the first? I
2: just hate when I say th- something. Off that is like buried in the back of my brain as sure. fact. And then I'm like, wait, hold on a second. Did I just yeah, like I, a
0: jerk? I, I've, I've gotten better at that <laughs> in the last couple of years, just kind of recognizing some stuff that every once in a while know. you kind of take for granted. And yeah. you're like, yeah, that's a thing. And then you'll, one day you're like, is that a thing? Should you check I- and you're <laughs> like, no. And you're like, damn it, I've been saying that for years. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah I hate oh, that. God,
2: I just had to stop for a second. Well, because then I couldn't remember if it was her or Ruth Bader Ginsburg who was first. I right, yeah. Like RBG. A- RBG. And
1: she came in later, you know, and God rest her soul. Yeah. What a crazy, cool little woman. Yeah. I loved her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She yeah, was sure. awesome. Yeah. yeah. And it was really funny because she was so liberal, but her best friend was Antonin Scalia, who was an incredibly you know, conservative uh-huh. judge. Yeah. They, they would go to the opera together. They love the opera. It was just crazy, oh, you know? that's
0: cute. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It's like
2: Michelle Obama and George Bush the second. I know. They're yeah,
0: like BFFs. Yeah, they're buds. Like they give yeah, each other totally. gum and they laugh and they hang out. <laughs> yeah, you know? totally buds.
2: But, but you know, it doesn't, it, exactly.
1: I love it. <laughs> not, I think yeah. it's wonderful. It's like, wow, you want to talk about bridging the gap. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't have seen that with Trump. I mean, good grief. Let's just... I mean, I don't want to get into a negative Trump thing here. I Whatever, do. well, I don't want to talk about it. I'm done talking about it. But basically, you know, you, you remember, you know, the transfer yeah. of power from Obama to Trump. And I mean, he did it. He, you know, he did it. Obama did a great job, in my opinion. Just like it thought it was weird whenever Bush did that for Obama, mm-hmm. it just felt odd. But then the Michelle and the George thing kind of made it feel nice, whereas there was nothing with the Trump to the Biden thing.
0: Yeah the the funny thing about the funny thing about where we are now is it completely changes how you view Bush too. Yes. In history it's weird. Have you seen <sighs> yeah. have you
1: seen the billboard that they put up that had Bush sitting there and he said do you miss me yet? <laughs> Yeah. Um, I loved that because everybody talked about what an idiot it was. But now they're like, "You yeah. think I was an idiot?" Yeah.
2: But <laughs> a, so, but this is really fascinating, right? Because what what starts this makes me think of what we're studying right now. We're reading uh, John Calvin's The Institutes in one of my theology classes, right? Yeah, that's deep. It's it's a it's a rough one. Yeah, I bet. That's, I bet that, yeah, any kind of like you know any kind of like. 17th century and earlier, like theology, like, first of all, y'all, we don't even speak the same language. Like, no. I appreciate that that's English that you're using there, but we don't speak the same language. That's right. So there's this whole process of like even translating what the F old boy is even saying into language that I can understand.
1: I've never heard anybody call Calvin old oh, boy.
2: Yeah, <laughs> old oh, boy. <laughs> anywho, <laughs> anywho. So for those that don't know, Catholicism was the reigning um, form of Christianity. And, you know, there was this period of time in, in Christian history where you have these like reformists like Martin Luther and, and John Calvin and- or Rick
1: Svigley and- Right,
2: yeah. yeah. And and they were like coming along and they were like, well, now, hold on a second. Like, I don't think this is quite right because they, they had a lot of beef with the corruption that existed in the Catholic church. They had a lot of beef with the conflation of church and state. Mm-hmm. And they had a lot of beef with- Honestly, for whatever reason, they had a lot of beef with communion. Yeah. There was a there was a big beef about communion hmm. and whether or not the the bread and the wine physically turned into the body and blood of Christ when right. you swallowed it, yes. and that was a huge beef because some people thought that was like super disrespectful, and some people were like, "What are you talking about? That's what happens." And if you don't believe that, you're you're right. the worst ever. So, so within that construct, John Calvin is basically chased out of France, and he has to go chill in Geneva and hang out there and hide because that's the only place that he's not going to get unalived. And unalived. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's so that's uh, yeah. that's
0: social media speak. So you don't get censored. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah.
2: So he's. Chilling in Geneva, and he starts like writing this whole thing, and his 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 he's speaking now. I'm reading this book by Michelle Sanchez, and she's is her argument right that Calvin is writing his Institutes, and he's speaking to all of those Protestants that have now become political refugees mm-hmm. because of their refusal to participate in the Corpus Christianum, which is like the body of Christ that is both a spiritual, religious, and political distinction.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right.
2: Right. It is exactly what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. We have conflated Christianity and the Republican Party. That is the new corpus christianum. Yep. And if you are outside of that, that's like the old argument between Catholics and huh. Protestants. You had these, the corpus christianum, according to the reigning Republican Party.
1: Right, it's is true. this
2: conflation yes, it is. of politics and Christianity? And then you've got all these Democrats over here, right? Who aren't always who aren't necessarily Christian, but like those of us that would be Christian and part of the the conversation over here as left wing Christians, right? Mm-hmm. We are rejected. We aren't actually Christian because we are not participating in the political aspect aspect of
1: Christianity. But they are using biblical language to. To show you that, like they'll, they'll take scriptures uh, yeah. and they'll they'll point you as why you're being rejected. Well, yeah, of yes. course. Yes, I'm not a left wing, I'm a right wing, mm-hmm. but I'm not right wing, corp, you know, this Christian, I'm like, I want to revolutionize what's going on inside right. it.
2: Right, but it's just fascinating how history repeats itself.
1: Yeah, yes, and that's I'm, really
0: interesting. I'm I like
2: reading that. Yeah. about this like period of time and like, you know, this, this you know, or, like 15th, 16th, 17th century, right? Like as these things start to like bubble up and it becomes like a political distinction mm-hmm. because I mean, like if you look at it, like we don't need to get into it, but like that that conflation of church and state, which is one of the reasons why it's supposed to be a part of American politics mm-hmm. because they saw how vicious, I mean, you're talking thousands of people slaughtered over and over and over a protestant king gets in charge gets in charge they just wipe out all the catholics catholic king gets in charge just wipes out all
1: the protestants huh. i mean just that's how we got the king james bible yep that's where I mean, it came from that is correct yeah and so no it, you're 100% correct yeah. and i have seen it too i have seen that and but it it's this uh, the language the language that is used between you know especially when in regard to christianity It comes from the source book, and you have to understand that Calvin and Martin Luther and Ulrich Zwingli and all these other men, the Reformers, they were going to the source book, which was the canon of the Bible and reading it for what it said, and then challenging the status quo by saying, you have set up this tradition and this Mm -hmm. belief based on this book, and it does not exist. This is coming from the worship of Diana long ago, back Mm -hmm. whenever we incorporated these worships together, whenever Mm -hmm. Constantine put it together. Mm -hmm. And it Like I said, perpetuates itself and grows and grows and grows. Mm And next thing you know, you're paying a sin tax, the indulgence tax, to keep you know Mm -hmm. trying to get people out of purgatory. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean purgatory, but that's it right
2: there. See, but that's it right there. Mm -hmm. The only way it could have that control is through fear. Yes. And the way that that fear was perpetuated Mm -hmm. was by saying we have control over the afterlife.
1: Right. Does this sound familiar, Andy? Because you remember. Whenever we were with AJ, again, this most recent talk, I said that it was fear. And you're like, is it though? And I'm telling you, from the from the inside looking in, it's fear. That's how they get us to move and do. It's by oh, fear.
2: I, and yet God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and
1: a sound mind. <laughs> Say it louder, please. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. God yeah. has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. A sound That's, mind. Yeah, that can think for itself. And so like anytime somebody's operating out of fear, I'm like, bruh.
1: Do you think because Andy is an engineer, he has a sound mind? Oh, uh, <laughs> no! goodness gracious! Dad Quack. jokes. I'm gonna plenty. have to get
0: the prices right. Sound in that <laughs> one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sorry, sorry. But do you remember that Andy? We talked about that, and I said oh, well, it was fear mongering.
0: I, I think there's plenty of fear mongering. I said in the specific instance of the way some of these people look for the end of the world, right? It feels to me like they are personally being vengeful against humanity. Yes. But that's and I and I stand by that, but I think that's a pretty specific example. I think the
1: reason why it's so hard to communicate to these people is because they actually believe it. I think they believe that when Russia invades Ukraine, it's the beginning of the end. And that they they feel this- Because they want
0: it. Why do they want it? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. They want it because they they are bitter against humanity. They
1: think, like you said, Mm. they want to get out of the human experiment.
0: That's right. They want to end the human experiment because they think the next thing is better. But trust, they also think this one sucks. Because they think the next one is better. Right.
2: That's it. Even though Jesus said, what? I came to have what? Death? That came that you could have death and death more abundantly? No. I life. came that you could die and go to heaven and it's going to be so much better. No, I came that you would have life and have life more abundantly. Yeah.
1: I- but people mistake that for finances because of the prosperity gospel. Gross. He's not talking about <laughs> I came to give money so yeah. that your life would be better. He said I came to give life yeah. and that abundant.
2: I keep got, like, like, so. I, I think that it's a combination of things. I think that It usually are, is,
0: to be fair. Yeah. yeah. No,
2: but I want to I want to address that because I think you're right, Andy. I think there are some people that are craving the Armageddon out of some sort of weird, like, lust for destruction, some sort well, of, like, just, torture porn addiction. Like, they like, probably, you know, like have you, have you They're not going to get to have see it. Have you not
0: met people that hate themselves but that's it so I think people that don't like themselves don't like other people
2: I think that people like that are also people that have bought into the fear of death and hell and all this stuff and I think that living in that level of fear has exhausted their adrenal glands, has physically exhausted their system. Yeah. yeah. And I they agree have with this. no idea how to live. I was driving over here today and I was praying because I have some friends that are going through a tough time and I start to feel real responsible. And I was driving here and I was praying. I was just like, it is not my responsibility to save, it is not my responsibility to rescue. It is not my responsibility to heal. My only job is to embody the joy and the grace and the peace of living in relationship with God. That's it, that's it, that's it. Yes. But see, these people have, don't know that. Mm-hmm. And I feel sad for them because their only they're only hope, they're like people like lying in their deathbed on hospice, just praying for the end because yeah. they don't know how to live. And they've completely missed the point. Mm-hmm. And they've participated in that cultural Christianity, which is wrapped in and around nationalism, yep. which uses fear as control. And yep. so they don't know how to live without that fear. And that sucks. Yeah. It sucks to
0: be them. It, it, that is that is some people that's their whole motivator, right? I mm-hmm. don't know why that is and that's got nothing to do with what religion you are obviously. It's just yeah. some some people like that's what gets them up every day. Mm-hmm. Is like some form of that. It's but, weird. See
1: that, but see, yeah. that's how I landed on Jesus in the end after all the studies, after all the reading, after mm-hmm. all the praying and all the things that I, the reason I landed on Jesus is because I just listened to what he said. Those people that were in the national system that were perpetuating all of this horrible lifestyle for these other people were the ones that he was going after and saying, you're the hypocrites, you're the ones that are going to be Quenched with fire mm-hmm. at his time, mm-hmm. how they were holding down people, he was
2: talking but, about the destruction of Jerusalem in seventy a d. It was a prophecy right, right. so
1: but he was all, I can't believe you just said that. Most people don't even know about it. Thank you for knowing that. Yeah. That's awesome. So then thank you, you
2: I of School of Theology for having good educators
1: <laughs> but but I landed on Jesus because he went to the people that were that were lame. You know, you can look at it as a physical thing, but look at it in a spiritual way, too. They were lame. They weren't able to walk on their own two feet. They, they couldn't... Speak. They were they were deaf. That means they couldn't say how they felt and what was going on inside. He took care of that for them. Mm-hmm. They couldn't see what was yeah. physically going on around them, but spiritually they couldn't see either. He opened their eyes and they saw him first, mm-hmm. right? And then he he took people that had leprosy that their skin was literally falling off, mm-hmm. and he made them whole. You weren't even supposed to touch them. You weren't mm-hmm. even supposed to be around them. They were supposed to be screaming leper, leper, and you know mm-hmm. unclean, unclean, and walking around. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. made things mm-hmm. that were unclean clean. Mm-hmm. And so, if you just listen to the things that Jesus says, you want to get next to him. He was a I just—he was so <laughs> radical. I just want to be next to him and say, I don't understand. Like Mary Magdalene, everybody knows or Magdalene, how it's you know actually said. Nobody, nobody really understands that he took this woman, this woman that had these seven demons in her, and we you can you can look at it as a spiritual thing, or you can mm-hmm. look at it as something that was keeping her from being normal. Mm-hmm. And not only did he cure her, but she was his right-hand woman. Yeah. Like, she was with him everywhere. She even gave up her means to fund his ministry.
2: Her gospel was intentionally destroyed. Absolutely. And that really, I will never... I'll never forgive the Catholic Church.
0: I love this. I love discussions. I'm sure it's buried in the Vatican. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Pseudepigrafa and Apocrypha. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally.
2: Yeah.
0: Fascinating.
1: Yeah, we get into that too. I'm really into it. I went
2: to visit. She's got a church in Spain. Well, there's a bunch of them, you know, like the Church of Mary Magdalene. And I went and sat. It was closed at the time that I was. I was hiked the Camino de Santiago. Wow. Really? Yeah. And it was closed. Ah, It was closed. And I wrote the sickest song for her. I'll sing it for you later.
0: cool. Did you write it when you were there? Did you write it in preparation? No, I wrote it when I was there. I was just sitting there,
2: and I could feel like I could feel because you know what does the Bible say? We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Yes, you know, like it's not just Jesus. Like we've got them all. All of the. It's like you know having like a you know the old garbage pail kids deck. Like I got all kinds of saints in my deck, you know, (laughs) that I know are still around and watching me and cheering for me. Mm -hmm. And she's one of my number ones. And so like I I sat there and I just felt that energy and that whole church dedicated to her power and to what she represented and like. Dude, Jesus' is right
1: hand woman. Woman. Yes.
2: Like I think about the story of Mary and Martha. Uh-huh. And Martha, so I don't know if you know the story. So Jesus is like chilling yeah. with his buds and he, he stops at it. his friend's house. Okay. So I won't go.
1: I won't go there. Are you talking about when they're when she's in, when Martha's in the kitchen and Mary's at the yeah, feet? Yeah, 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 no, yeah. You should tell him that because yeah, uh, he me. knows so yeah. They're chilling, also, so they're chilling.
0: Uh, quick aside for the audience, Tiziana can sing her ass directly off her body.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh so. man okay. song "Song from Mary is one of my favorite songs song. of all time
2: I wrote yeah I okay. wrote I that, that after that reading um, CS uh, not CS Lewis um, anyway skip it okay Aptons <laughs> <Up> <C. laughs> Sinclair um, oh, so, Clair, so, yeah. so, so you got Miriam, so you got Miriam, so got Jesus, so Jesus, first of all, Jesus chills with 12 dudes. So every time Jesus shows up, there's like a whole pantheon of people that need to get fed, first of all. Yeah. So Jesus shows up at his friend's house and he's got these two sisters who kind of like go into a flurry, the older one, Martha, cause she's like, yo, I got to like make food for these people. And I don't know if y'all know what it was like trying to feed people in the first century, but you didn't just walk yeah, your butt over to Safeway scratch. or Ingles. Okay. Yeah. Can, you like t- you,
1: can you tell them who the friend was?
2: Who? there was Lazarus. <laughs>
0: He loves Lazarus, for the record, like in a big big way. Sorry,
2: he's he's well. I think that's wonderful. So anyway, so he's he's he Lazarus's house. So 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 Martha has got to like scramble, right? Like I don't know if you've ever made sourdough bread. I have a sourdough starter and I make sourdough bread. It's a process. It takes time, and one loaf does not feed twelve people. Right, so you got to do it. You know, she had to like likely slaughter a lamb. You know why? Because they didn't have refrigeration. It's not like you could kill all the lambs you needed on Sunday and just pop them in the fridge for the rest of the week. (laughs) These people had to start from the absolute beginning to do anything. So Jesus is doing his job, right? He's preaching and he's teaching. All of his little buddies are like chilling and relaxing because they've just been walking around. Because again, first century, yep, you walked everywhere. <laughs> That's right. And so Martha's in the kitchen and she comes out and I'm going to find the exact language because I think it's really important when you're referring to the Bible, even though I'm sort of telling the story in a somewhat... Um,
1: it's in John. I think it's in John chapter yeah, f- four. Yeah.
2: I want to read... Exactly what she says.
1: There's a reason why it's in John. What? Why? <laughs> because I believe that Lazarus wrote the Gospel of John. I told you that. Oh, is that what you think? Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, it's also in Luke. So, anyways,
1: where it doesn't it doesn't mention Lazarus at all.
2: No, but anyway, so in so Luke, Martha so Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, "Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving by myself? Tell her to help me." So, I look. Martha's distracted. This is not like a task for her that is simple. She's kind of like thrown into a bit of confusion and she's trying to do her job and she's trying to make all this food and she looks out and what is her little sister doing? Her little sister has copped a squat with the other 12 and is just listening to Jesus teach.
1: Yes.
2: Which is highly unacceptable.
1: In that culture.
2: In that culture, women didn't learn at the foot of the rabbi. No, not at all. And she's telling Jesus huh. to rebuke her sister and put her back in her place. That's right. Which is in the kitchen. Back That's to the right. kitchen. Right. And she didn't and, have shoes on either. <laughs> right, right, right. But the Lord answered her and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, but only one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good part, and that will not be taken away from her. I love Aww. I love how sweet he is to Martha. He says, well, that's "Oh, very sweet. Martha." Right, yeah. very sweet. But that's an in- incredibly anti-patriarchal stance. Oh, yes. For a teacher like Jesus to He's take radical. That at
0: that time, it would have been revolutionary. Very radical. Weird.
1: Yeah. yeah. Now, if you you go to John chapter eleven, which we've studied, and you get to that same place where mm-hmm. he's about to resurrect mm-hmm. Lazarus, and Martha comes out first, mm-hmm. and she's like, "If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died." And what does Martha say? What does he say to Martha? "I am the resurrection and the life." Mm-hmm. He tells her, and then she, she goes to get Mary. Mm-hmm. Mary doesn't do anything but say the same thing that Martha does, mm-hmm. and Jesus begins to cry. Yeah. So his relationship to Mary was very unique, very yeah. unique, and to Martha. By well, the I way, she was imagine. the first person to call, the first woman to ever call him Christ.
2: Oh, Mary Mar- was Martha. Oh, Martha, was. Martha was
1: the first woman, and Peter was the first man well, that's in scripture. Fascinating. I have anyway, to take a look at that. Yeah, look well, I it can up.
2: imagine that there's a difference in tone, right? Yes. There's a way to say if you hadn't been here, he wouldn't have died. There's one that would be accusatory. <laughs> Will you be
1: on this show forever, Tiziana? Yeah. And, and <laughs> yes. I
2: don't know, but here's the thing, right? So this is creative interpretation, people. Let's just stop and take a minute and acknowledge that we are now filling in blanks that nobody said were even there, That's right? That's right. So I think it's important when you start a creatively interpreting scripture, mm-hmm. you, you stop for just a second and acknowledge that. So first of all, the scripture doesn't say that. No. But you can imagine, right? It's called you audience have, relevance. Hmm, you have this way of saying it, this accusatory. If you had only been here. And then Mary coming out, who knows the power of Christ and says, Oh, if you had
1: just been if here. If you had just. Yeah. You yeah, almost made sense. it. If yeah. you had made it. And he he knew, Yes, I do I have know the power. You have that
2: power. But you know what's interesting? Both acknowledge the power. Yes. Both Martha yeah. and Mary are with their first and foremost and primary acknowledgement is the power that Jesus had. That's right. But one of them is when you are mad at God for not giving you everything you wanted. That's right. And the other one, Is when you are desperate. When you are truly grieving.
1: Yes, desperate. Which is
2: which is why Jesus grieved with her. Yep. Because grief, human, true human grief is close to the heart of God.
1: Yes. It has to be. It made him weep. But also, you know, he weeps whenever he knows that his people's gonna be judged. He felt that. You know, Jesus, that's why I love Jesus. I love Jesus because he was all man and all God. He was all of it. He was everything. I saw, I heard a preacher, I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Dr. David Pawson. Hmm. Uh, he was a British uh, pastor that passed away in May of 2020. But I love, it. He's look him up on YouTube, uh, David Pawson, he did Unlocking the Bible, fantastic. But he said he, he was praying to God one time because he, he was looking at the Tetragrammaton, the YHWH, and mm-hmm. he understood the relationship that the Jew had towards that, mm-hmm. and also how Christians sometimes just like flippantly say it like it doesn't yeah. matter. And he asked, he said, he said, Father, he said, I really want to know, what does this mean? Like what, does, like, what can I say? And he said, it, it was just like so instant that the Holy Spirit said, always, always. Like I am, oh, that yeah. I am, the the past, present, and future. He's always, always. and it sounds like Yahweh kind of doesn't it? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But he was always. like, and he was looking for the English word that best described who he was. Oh and it's yeah, always. I love that.
2: That's really sweet
1: that's really sweet yeah I
2: wrote a song for the kids at my church well I didn't write it for them I wrote it, but when it came time to do the Black History Month presentation it was the perfect song for them yeah and the it's it's like the, it goes it's a stomp and a clap and I brought in like wooden tables and gave each kid a percussion instrument oh, so they cool. could stomp and clap and they go my roots my roots, you know yeah my roots and then like they keep saying that and then it's like i'm like a tree that's been planted my roots by streams of oh, that living sounds water you wrote that? My roots. yeah oh, that's i fun. have a firm foundation ooh in Christ my roots Said i chose the stone that the builders my roots the stone that the builders rejected yeah. my roots. and now it's the cornerstone of of my life then the kids go i am this Who I am Ah. and I am says that I am washed clean and redeemed and my roots. roots go deep. My wow, roots. roots go down, my roots tell me mm, Though I was lost now I'm found My roots no faith, my roots no grace My roots go Deep and down. And when those little children, those little kids, just like with all their little tiny hearts and throats, I am sis. It was just oh, the sweetest.
1: I can feel it. It was so beautiful. <laughs> totally. And when I sat yeah, down I can feel and it. I, I sat down
2: with these kids and I was like, y'all know what that means. And they were like, no. And so I told them about the story of I am appearing to Moses. And this is this, I've always been this person. I've always been around. I'm always going to be here. I will always fight for you. I will always deliver you. Yes. And it doesn't matter what the the predominant culture says about you, Mm -hmm. I say who you are. Right. And they were like, and that's totally relevant for the period of time that, that, Hashem, which is how I would say the name, right? Appears.
1: And why do you say it that way?
2: (sighs) Because certain aspects of Christianity are borrowed from Judaism and Judaism is still a relevant and powerful spiritual and ethnic identity on its own. Yes. And there's a little bit of cultural appropriation. Mm -hmm. And if if the Jewish nation translated the tetragraph in such a way that the name could not be pronounced because that was respectful for them. I agree with that, and I want to honor that. And so what I say is when that name is translated as, they'll say the name in Judaism when they see that Y-H-W-H. And
1: so the Hebrew word is? And the
2: Hebrew word for the name is Hashem.
1: Got it. So you're saying the name. So I will
2: say the name in Hebrew, Hashem. So anyway, like, you know, I can't remember what I was talking about. I'm so sorry. No, I got shocked. But anyway, these kids, like it's, it was relevant at the time because you had these Israelite people that were in slavery. And they were enslaved by the Egyptians and their identity was determined by their relationship to the to the to their enslavers. Mm-hmm. And then all along comes Hashem and says, no, I'm your God. I know who you are. You are my people and I'm going to save you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I explain that to the kids, which you're talking about black kids. Whose identity, for a period of time and still currently, is in juxtaposition against this white ruling class that would need them to be positioned as less than to prop itself up. I'm like, no, kids, you don't have to buy that. That's right. not true because that's not who God says you are. And like all the all the adults when I'm telling the kids why I wrote this and what I want them to say, all the adults are like, that's right, yes, you know, like <laughs> it was really sweet. I love it. It was really sweet, but yeah. Anyway.
0: That would be that would be fun to record.
2: Let's record with it with the
0: kids. I mean, it would be fun to record with you too. But it would be—I tell be you really what—I would was, love to if there love was like the a, like you know what I mean. If they could, if you felt like they could carry it, this is a discussion for another time.
1: No, but listen, I will tell you this right now. It moved me so much. If you will put that together, mm-hmm. then it'll come out of the Boroughs of Berea Fund, and we will fund that and make it happen. As long as you let me play it on the show.
2: Yeah, oh. That's awesome. Good. Yeah, I'm going to talk to the kids. They, yeah, they would. Yeah. That would be such a phenomenal experience for them, too. I mean, I
0: could, I, they could come here or I could come to them. It depends on how many kids it is and oh, stuff like that. Oh, there was like
2: 12, maybe?
0: Yeah. So, oh, it's easier really to bring sweet. people here, but I don't mind going there.
2: Well, we've so. got a bus.
0: It's also fun. It's also, It might be fun to do something at a church just for yeah. the physical space of it. Sure. Again uh this is a talk this is a academic talk about well and Andy, and scheduling but
2: i had four adults that sang the actual um verses because yeah, I, I was
0: i was wondering about that because it would be good to have the kids but but yeah. maybe you could sing the you know what i mean yeah. sing the verse and have and have them you yeah. know do the my roots and maybe accompany certain parts you could work that out that's your
2: problem yeah at the time because where that presenting song come it? from i wrote it so, oh, because, that's so
0: great. I didn't, yeah, it's a I really missed that song. part. You wrote it.
2: Yeah. So <sighs> it, it came out of nowhere. But anyway, like, it was inspired. I don't think that. Well, thank you. But I,
1: it wasn't I'm, out of nowhere. I'm
2: weird. Like, I don't, I'm sort of like Tom's, Tom Waitsish in that way, where he's just like, the song is already written. I'm just the person that it happens to choose. It feels like they're the conduit. When it's I feel it's that funny way.
0: when a song is. Good and easy, that's how it feels. It does. Yes. That's how it feels.
2: It feels like you're just there and the, the song already is existent. So that's how I feel about it. But, um, who? So in my church, I had four adults sing the four verses and the bridge, right? Mm-hmm. And one of them is uh, Taurus.
0: That makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Actually. Yeah, I guess. Can she sing? I've never yeah. really heard her sing. Yeah. Yeah, because she just – she raps when she's here.
2: But, so. I mean, I could also just do it. The reason I didn't think it was – I thought it was inappropriate. No, no, no. I, I get it. Yeah,
0: yeah, No, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally.
2: I was like, probably not a good idea for me to leave the kids singing that song. Yeah,
0: like, You know, yeah. like no. – No, and more fun to get more people involved at any rate. I mean, just, just from any standpoint. Yeah, so.
1: yeah. And well, by all means, do it. You have my blessing. Just do it when you want, okay?
2: Okay. Go Who's going to do the – Oh, we'll figure it out. You this know, is academic.
0: Yeah,
1: let's yep. move on. Yeah, we'll move on. So, I w- I wanna, I'm going to keep prying, okay? Yeah. Uh, I would le- let's just let today's episode be our introduction and be your testimony. I think that's good, and we'll plan mm-hmm. to tackle the other subjects. Tell me more about your education and where you're heading right now. So, I know that you're going to a predominantly black church or is a black church mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. and you're also in studies. You're pregnant. You're mm-hmm. a mother of one, I believe it is. Yeah. Um, so, where are you, where you heading?
2: God only knows.
1: Yeah. I'm just
2: along for the ride.
1: So what are your studies? I I know you sort of mentioned it, but what's your ultimate goal in your studies so far? Do you know? Do you have one? Nope. You don't know?
2: (laughs) I went and hiked. That's his life. (laughs) I I hiked the community. (laughs) Well, you know what? In reality, that's what makes living with Christ so much fun. Yes, because I don't Absolutely. have to worry about where we're going. I know that he's got it.
1: I had no idea I was going to be coming here. I, I didn't know. I was I making know. weird movies, man. <laughs> you I don't know? know.
2: Right? I don't know. And so, and 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 that's just what's so fun. Like when you let your life unfold in faith, you don't worry about where you're headed. You just put one foot in front of the other, and you just know that it's going to be okay. Right. And I, I remember. Um. So I I finished. I graduated from. UNCA in 2019 with a bachelor's in sociology and a minor in women gender and sexuality studies yes
1: I'm going to have you on for that for sure yeah 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 yeah.
2: I'm creating a training for Buncombe County Partnership for Children right now around pronouns oh that's awesome yeah and I'm going to be delivering that Uh, Stevie Alverson Oh, Stevie. Our, so yeah, yeah. D- when when Andy and I were in a band, we had a drummer, and it's this drummer's baby mama that works for Buncombe County. Burnership oh, for cool. Children. Yeah. Ha, neat. I know. So Stevie has hired me to do that, and um, so I'm creating a training around that for uh, for early childhood educators, because uh, I can't handle, if I see one more Facebook book post about a 10-year-old that is unalived themselves... I'm going to die. Like yeah. I can't handle this anymore. Like yeah. these kids are getting tormented and it is absolutely it is it is unacceptable. Yeah. And so we have to start changing the culture and it starts at an early childhood level. Mm-hmm. It really does. I don't care if you don't like the pronouns, but you don't need to torture a child who has pronouns that are different so much so that they kill themselves.
0: Who's who's having a struggle to begin with? Yes. Who's
2: having a struggle to begin with? Like Yeah, and you then know, you
0: can and then you can come in and add to a child's torment. Good job. And
2: that's what my pastor said from the pulpit. I've heard him say things like that. He's just like, you, you know, somebody who doesn't know who they are, you want going to come along and give them a harder time. You know, if someone in your family has a pronoun, you just respect and appreciate that pronoun. And let them figure it out. It's none of your business. Yeah. He always says, y'all be trying to clean a fish you hadn't even caught yet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's right. You know, you just made me think of, I was thinking of the, the tax collector and the Pharisee, mm. you know, mm-hmm. about the tax collector obviously knew who he was and what he was like, and he just couldn't even lift his head. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said that that day he went home justified, you know, mm-hmm. because he he was hurting and he just wanted forgiveness and love from the Father. It's what he wanted. That's what everybody That's wants. What everybody wants. Just they want leave the love it. from us. Yeah. I mean, leave I, it. I hate. You know, I have people. I own a company and I have people that work uh, with me that you know have discussed these things about yeah. their names or pronouns and things like that. And I totally respect it because I don't know. I want them to know that, first and foremost, that I actually care and love them. Mm -hmm. I want them to know that and that this is a place, yeah, you're coming to work because you got to make money. We all have to, Mm -hmm. but it's a place that you can come and you are who you are and we love you, period. We're not going to change that.
2: Done. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, so I graduated and I was like, what am I going to do? And I I really wanted to hike the community Santiago, which I don't know if you're familiar. It's a very old pilgrimage that Christians have been making since like... I want to say the sixth century, maybe. It starts in the um, the Great Pyrenees Mountains in France, and it, you hike all the way down to Santiago de Compostela on the far uh, western coast of Spain. And the legend goes, it's the path that John walked when he preached the gospel all the way through to um, Galicia, which is where the, it, the basically the pilgrimage kind of ends, right? Okay, that region. And so,
1: the Apostle John, you're saying? Yeah. Okay.
2: And so, we don't have any real evidence. Sure, for that. sure. It's just but, the legend. Right. But but that as people began to walk it, um, you know, these different specific uh, churches and temples and things and, and cathedrals kind of sprung up along the path. That are, and
0: it's Europe, so I'm sure they're beautiful. Yeah. And some of them are, and some
2: of them are just very simple. And those like are the little. ones I preferred. Yeah. Some of them, you know, they don't know when they were built exactly or by whom. You know, you just That's cool. That's, that's really neat. cool. And and it's become a holy pilgrimage for like lots of people. So like uh, cause Jerusalem has significance for a number of world religions, Islam, Christianity, and um and uh, uh Islam. Yeah. And so like this kind of like this concept of this pilgrimage has kind of like become holy for a lot of different people and a lot of different religions. Anyway, sure. um although I don't know. Anyway.
1: Yeah, but so, you've made this, so you you've went done th- this. So I
2: went and did this hike. Wow. Yeah, threw my backpack on and <laughs> walked through. So That's amazing. Yeah, during that period of time, as I was like walking by myself and like journaling and stuff and meeting other people that were on the path, like it just kept coming up that I wanted to get an, an MDiv. And I didn't even really know what that was. I don't even know, I didn't even know what it was what? for an MDiv a master's of divinity
1: oh an MDiv okay yeah I masters didn't understand divinity. Divinity. The, the yeah shortened. sorry
2: yeah master's of divinity you all get, the hip kids know
0: what I an MDiv I know it's so stupid right I'll,
2: like
1: you just I get so it used like to saying the shorthand I, no I thought it was like, like a chocolate cake or something but
2: wouldn't that be nice yeah <laughs> but yeah maybe they'll give me one and I graduate
1: <laughs> this is an MDiv
2: I'm pregnant are they gonna give me cake <laughs>
1: yeah
0: <laughs>
2: but so you know so you know this is the deal and and as I just and I don't know why and I don't know why. And I started like going, well, what is this about God? And because and every time I thought like about getting an MDiv, a master's of divinity, all I could think about was the cultural Christianity I wanted to tear to the ground. So I was like, maybe you want me to get this education so I could write books talking about how BS this all is. Like, yeah, and be a
1: special guest on the boroughs of Berea and let's break <laughs> I it down. No, you know? Let's so, break it
2: down. You know, I'm like, what am I going to do? I just want to be Nadia Boltz Weber. How do I do that? And so... I don't know if you know who that I need is. to know who that no, is, no obviously. Idea. Nadia, Nadia Boltz-Weber. She's an author and a podcaster. She has a church in Colorado called the House of All Sinners and Saints. And she's um, she's just a, an awesome, amazing, progressive, um, spiritual leader. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, she writes books. She's a pastor, but she like writes books and she's a personality. I mean, I'm just like, can I monetize my personality?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Can people just pay me to be myself? Right. How do we do that? Um, that's kind of the joke I'm making. Um, yeah. But and she also actually turns out went to my school, which I didn't know. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, I just found oh, that out. Because cool. uh, one of my professors was like, "You sound like Naughty Boltz Weber." I was like, "Do I?" <laughs> <Really>?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know? I love it. Yeah. yeah.
2: I was like, "That's exciting." So you know, so I I so I came back in in 2019, and it got back in like July, and then of course 2020 happened
1: hmm And yeah. that was
2: also when I was pregnant with my daughter, Aurora. I found out I was pregnant December 31st. Wow. And so, you know. Wow. Right before so, yeah.
1: the big,
0: yep. yeah. yeah. Wow. So said, very little time. Three months, I had January maybe. and
2: February to, like, live my normal life and enjoy my life being pregnant with my child. And then from March and to— And then it was
0: right to wiping vegetables off. Yeah, yeah, the, then first couple months when nobody knew what really was happening. That's yeah. right. Yeah, it was, I
2: did, ugh, I remember we sprayed all my presents down with like Clorox at my baby shower. Um,
0: yeah. You know, also had, because you're pregnant, nobody can hug each other.
2: Yeah. yeah. We had it outside, and yeah, I mean, so so in that kind of space of silence and quiet, you know, I was sitting by myself for like months because Dylan, my my fiance, he works in um, he's an electrician and he works on big factory equipment and so he was considered an essential worker because he was like working on the factory equipment that made the sanitation wipes and stuff you oh know? wow yeah. so he had to go to work and so i was just home alone all day long and i started googling i got myself on the google side. yeah yeah <laughs> And I came across Iliff, and I set up an appointment to chat with the dude. That, ILIF. yeah, Iliff. Yeah, I L I F F. Iliff School of Theology in Colorado, and they—I found out that they had this this particular program, which is a journeyman program. It's all online. You go to campus once a year, which I have not had to do at all because of pandemic. Wow. And so you know, um, yeah, you go to campus once a year and have like one week where you. One week intensive classes, but that's pretty much it. And um, I don't know. I just started looking at the course offerings and stuff that they and their requirements, and you know their their front page of their of their you know web page was like this like this open and affirming statement. Like they talk about creative theology that lifts up all voices, and that's how we grow. And I was just like, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I just I just I signed up.
0: Cool. And I don't know why. But, you know, that's how decisions are made sometimes. That is. You yeah. know, but
2: so, so some people go take their I, MDiv and go into social justice work, like the Racial Equity Institute out of Georgia that does the incredible work with kind of teaching the history of race and, and stuff in America. They, they will employ MDivs to kind of help get like, the theological and spiritual perspective. Um, you know, I just want to help. That's all I know. I want to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to help.
1: Yeah. And being educated can can help you further that help. I believe,
0: yeah, and and it How to navigate the
1: systems mm-hmm. and understand. Yeah, just having a conversation with somebody,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, mm-hmm. and being able to talk on their level is helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, it is. I think.
0: Well, and if you want a job doing that, you literally need the credentials. That's true. So it's just like it's right. just like base. It becomes baseline for better for life. Yeah, you need that
2: paper. Yeah. So I I I don't know. I don't know. I'm just. I'm not. I'm not worried about it right now. I'm enjoying what I'm learning. And I am about to finish, Uh, the semester ends in like two weeks and then I'm going to take one more semester and then I'm going to take a break. Because yep. um, I ain't having no baby in the middle of midterms.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: Uh, which is what's going to happen. Yeah. So I'm going to take a bit of a break. And, She's not going to
1: come to full term in the midterm. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs>
1: that, Sorry. Mm, but that's, that's exactly good. what's going to happen. <laughs>
2: that's good. Right. I, I, I'm going to be like finishing a, an essay from the hospital bed. I'm not doing it. And my my and my professors and my advisor were like, yeah, that's brilliant. Plus you have 10 years to finish the degree. So also what I'm hoping is some sort of path, some sort of why Sure, but I don't. I don't know. I'm not so much interested in the destination as I am just in you the know. I, I know that's. Oh my God! I just I turned into a bumper sticker right in front of y'all's very it. eyes. <laughs> like I feel like I need to go directly to Ross and buy like a live laugh love sign.
1: <laughs> I have those in my house, <laughs> so hang it
2: up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's become a catchphrase, but it's true. Like I'm, I'm learning so much. I'm sort of correcting my own toxic Christianity. I'm giving myself permission to let go of things that I thought were Christian, but were really just white supremacist and patriarchal ideologies that were woven in to the theology yes. when Christianity became a superpower. Yes. And it's giving me that permission that I need to do that. And all I know is I'm breaking the chains of my own soul one at a time. That's yes. my only
1: goal right now. Well, I wanna ask you one more question yeah. before we finish up this, this testimony. You have came from sexual abuse, sexual abuse within the church. Mm-hmm. You have come this far in life, mm-hmm. You've, You're, which I think is remarkable. And thank the Lord for what he's done in your life. Mm-hmm. But my question to you is, we have people that listen to this podcast that are obviously in exactly the position that you were in. Mm. I know for a fact because I've been reached out to by some of them. Mm. So my question to you is: What do you? What can you offer them? What can you tell them right now about the situation they're in mm-hmm. and what they need to look for in order to get out of it? It's a toughie. Didn't yeah, expect that one, not did you? Easy
0: question. It's boy. not.
1: But you know what? Yeah. I want my listeners to hear something. Like what you know and. Maybe it's just the approach, or like you said, you found somebody like Brent, or just you know, don't be so judgmental about the people that are around you, you know. And what 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 could be what could be helpful?
2: When I started going to that Methodist church, and Veronita was the pastor, mm-hmm. it was like an Easter Sunday, and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, it was like a rushing wind, and I felt. This, with this massive, like, rushing wind. And all of a sudden, Jesus was back sitting behind my right shoulder like he always was my whole life. I don't mm-hmm. know why I hear him on the right side. I just do. Yeah. And I was so angry. And I said, where have you been? And he said, sweetheart, you were so damaged that you didn't even trust me anymore. Right. And I watched him putting on all the different people and all the different spiritual experiences that i had had, like a pair of gloves. Mm-hmm. And it was him comforting me and touching me the whole time. And he said, honey, I was happy to take a step back and be with you through other hands for a time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <sighs> so I think for people that are in a position like I was in— um, your resentment and your anger and your hurt are justified. Mm -hmm. You have every right to feel those feelings. And if God is reaching out to you in any way, shape, or form that brings you comfort, it's okay, Mm -hmm. whatever that comfort looks like. You don't have to qualify it. You don't have to quantify it. Let God love you however God does. And believe that, the heart of God grieves with you for what you've suffered, mm. because not everything done in Jesus' name is actually signed off on by Jesus.
1: Right, <laughs> boy, that's that's true. Yeah. Wow. But yeah. your
2: grief is real, and your resentment is real, and your anger is real, and you have every right to express that.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Wow, that what was, a great show!
0: Was a good handling of a question that looks impossible from the outside yeah that <laughs> was
1: excellent yeah yeah
2: well that's just from my own personal lived experience
1: yeah mm-hmm. well tiziana thank you so much for being here and i would love to have you back and we'll try to make it fit somehow in between all of the morning sickness and terms and the things that come with yeah. it, and school and marriage and and life but yeah i definitely want to uh I'm gonna, we've been studying um, the topic of hell, you know, that in our second episode, we said that Jesus uh, spoke it more than any other person, and I found that to be untrue. I was actually incorrect, because I didn't understand the language, uh, and uh, we've really, I've got into a lot of research, so we're we're gonna bring it eventually, and I would like to do that. Mm -hmm. I would like to get into it, because... um, I mean, it was a long episode. It's very interesting, but it's a uh, it's a lot deeper than you think, and I, I wasn't I wasn't even aware of it. Oh. You know, it's awesome. So I'd like for you to come back, and then we also want to have you back for gender studies and to oh, talk yeah. about. That would be great. I'm
2: down. I'm into all of it.
1: Yeah, very good. Well, Andy, good to see you. Yeah, you too. Yeah, Tiziana, thanks so much. And yeah, uh, that, was,
0: that was awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I had no doubt it would be. So there. Oh. yeah,
1: well, yeah, not. I know. It just yeah, it's so awesome. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to the Burroughs of Berea. We'll talk to you next time.
2: I have so many things that I'm curious about too. Like because we're studying a prophetic literature in my in my intro to the Hebrew Bible. Yeah. And so, first of all, I wanna I wanna say one thing, and this comes from my professor, Doctor. Does uh, this Mark need to be George. on the show? No. This is just between you, oh, and, okay. you and I. We can talk about it if you want to. Yeah. But um, the the name Y H W H. What? Oh no, I'm okay. I'm good. Y H W H. I refuse to pronounce that name because I think it's very disrespectful that Christians have translated it. I think it's, it's like arrogant. Yahweh or Jehovah. I think it's so inappropriate. Mm-hmm. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Bible, they refer to that word as Hashem, which mm-hmm. literally is translated as the name. Yeah. So oftentimes, when I'm when I'm trying to talk specifically about the the God. Uh, Jehovah of the Old Testament, mm-hmm. I prefer to use the word Hashem because okay. it's more respectful for me.
1: You'll have to explain that at the top of the podcast so people know what you're saying.
2: Okay. If you All decide right. to
1: use Hashem. Because I say, I will, I don't say necessarily Yahweh or Jehovah. Yeah. What I say is, we know that the Tetragrammaton was YHWH, uh-huh. and so they, they did pronounce it, the name. However, it doesn't say that they, that he, he never said, you can't call me that. He never, God never said that. The Lord God said, you, he said, don't take it in vain. They went over and above to not do things in vain, but they also went over and above in a lot of other ways that Jesus described to them. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember that his people were destroyed, that Jesus came and baptized by fire. They were destroyed because of what they did to him. And he told them that they would be.
0: Oh, I can. Okay, let's run this back yeah, and get baby. an intro on it. Ugh. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, that, That's rolling. what this is about. Like yeah. this is good and you have We're the right have, to disagree.
2: I have I have I have I have I have thoughts about that. Good.
0: Well,
1: let's put it on the show. Are we rolling yet? <laughs> yeah, you've been rolling.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> He'll
1: put it at the end of the show. You know, like he, he he's really good about doing stuff like that. Yeah,
0: okay. yeah usually just throw that stuff on the end and if people want to continue to listen to yeah. something out of context, they can. Yeah, it's oh, really nice. good. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, you're rolling.